Coming up on This Week in Games, the EU takes aim at digital game reselling. Riot releases League of Legends concurrent numbers, and a number of acquisition fundraising rounds and new product announcements coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Aaron McConnell, and well, we had another jam-packed week in the game industry. Tons of news. Tons of news from legal rulings to investments to acquisitions to business insights, everything. We had everything this week, so I got to kick it off. It's a big week, and uh, let's get going. The French Federal Union of Consumers, try to say that five times fast, has ruled that purchasers of digital games have the right to resell them. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, Valve's not happy. So under EU law, the French courts have ruled against Valve and its Steam subscriber agreement about purchasing games. So Valve basically argues that you are not purchasing a digital game when you buy a game on Steam. You're purchasing a subscription to access the content on Valve's services. So after years of the French courts going after this agreement, Um, They finally had a ruling in its deemed digital purposes to fall under EU law and requires them, quote, the free movement of goods within the union. Valve plans to file an immediate appeal. I think they have three months to do so. And as you can imagine, this could be a domino effect as the French courts actually used EU law to justify their ruling, which would allow kind of everyone in the EU to force Valve to provide reselling in their territories as well. So this sounds great on paper, but... You know, like it's one of those things. Everyone calls Valve like Valve Steam, like a money printing machine, and I'm sure it makes an insane amount of money. I mean, they're a private company, so they don't reveal that information. But you could probably find proxies that'll let you know how much money they make. However, you got to think about the developers. So, although Valve has tons of money, and this would make them lose money and kind of give more rights to people who purchase on Steam it could screw over all the developers. And what I mean is like, first of all, we have to look at the ruling. I don't know that much about law, but it seems like you could apply their justification here on digital games to even items within digital games or all digital purchases within the game as well. So if you're already like, if you have to say like, oh, well, you bought, you got a sword rewarded to you through a gotcha machine, and that sword needs to be tradable. But because now you can trade that sword to other players, people can buy and sell digital goods with real money online, which then makes this official gambling. And like you could just see how this goes like one ruling could affect everything. And then, you know, just off the top of my head, allowing people to resell games, unless the developers get in a cut of that resale of the game, you know, like that's a ton of money, like a ton of money. And you can see a ton of money being stolen, not stolen, but like not given to the developer. And you could see a lot of services being brought up where you're just renting game keys for a short amount of times and quote unquote reselling them back to the person renting them, effectively like taking all the money from developers. So in this like fearful, cynical view of the future, if you could resell games on Steam, now imagine, okay, you're a company, you buy 100 copies of whatever, like, name a game, you know. And, okay, let's use Half-Life 2. You buy 100 copies of Half-Life 2, and you can now rent out those copies 
to 100 concurrent users. So if I want to play Half-Life 2, I could buy it for $60 or I could go to this service that has keys of Half-Life 2. They could rent them to me for $1 and then I could quote unquote resell it back to them for one penny because of some agreement I have with them. And then I could rent another game from them. And so effectively, they're just infinitely making money off the original purchase of the game. So there's just so many possible ways this could go wrong. And of course, we could all point to G2A as the worst example of that, where if you could resell games purchased on Steam, you would just have everyone who steals credit cards online just go to Steam and buy every game and then resell them for undercutting the market. And so we'll have to watch this closely. Like, I would love someone to write to me and explain like EU legal rulings because I honestly see this as just like this is potentially could take down digital stores and games. So it'll be really interesting. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like good and bad. You know, don't everyone wishes they could resell games because, you know, how many of us have friends that have 5,000 Steam games or something ridiculous? But you know, what What price do you pay for reselling games? Hmm, something to think about. All right, next up. Riot releases League of Legends numbers for the first time in kind of a very long time, and they're pretty crazy. So to hype the upcoming 10th anniversary of League of Legends, Riot has stated that during peak times, League of Legends has 8 million concurrent players. Now, if these numbers are true, this would make League of Legends having more concurrence than the top 10 games on Steam combined. That's pretty crazy, but... It's not the current kingpin. Still, you know, Epic hasn't updated these numbers, but last November, I think it was November, Epic announced that Fortnite was reaching 8.3 million in concurrence. And there are likely titles in China, like Honor Kings at its peak was even higher than that. So crazy, um, but not mind-boggling crazy, I'll say. I'll say the craziest part is just... This is a 10-year-old game based on a Warcraft 3 mod that was six years old at the time when League was created. So you're talking about like effectively a 16-year-old game still getting these kind of concurrence. It, it really just says a lot about the industry. Like, could you, you couldn't imagine in the 90s that a 16-year-old game would still be the number one played game, right? But it just shows you that we kind of like hit some kind of peak trade-off for graphics and acceptable gameplay that, you know games can stick around for this long so it's a it's a good take on the industry um yeah good for riot well i mean everyone likes to shit on riot for all their all their employment problems but you know good for the game industry that we have games like this next up rockstar games launches its own digital storefront i can't even say that without laughing so rockstar takes cues from all the other publishers like epic ubisoft ea i mean there's a ton i'm pretty sure bethesda probably has a launcher at this point and they launched their own digital storefront very likely this is a reaction to the growing trend that dishing out 30 percent to steam or another digital store is not worth it because those stores don't provide you 30 percent of every sale is worth in value and um yeah i mean rockstar is such a giant name gta sells itself you don't need you don't need steam to put gta on the front page to sell it like people are gonna go out and seek it themselves Epic famously launched Fortnite on Android without going through the Google Play Store. And I'm pretty sure when they did that, a lot of publishers, you know, who have super strong brands took note and were like, yeah, why am I giving, you know, Google 30% or Steam 30%? So 
Right now, the offering is a bunch of older titles like GTA 4, GTA 3, Bully, but I expect this to be the first step in some kind of Rockstar walled garden or maybe a broader Take-Two subscription service. I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> All right, next up. Not a crazy story, but what does an indie game PC exclusivity cost to a digital storefront these days? So we got the answer. It's a little over $10 million. Due to some kind of financial reports by a publisher's parent company, the cost of a PC exclusivity for 505 Games action-adventure title called Control was revealed to be a little over $10 million. Epic paid um, 505 Games a little over $10 million for Control to be on PC um, exclusive to Epic Games Store. And I think the game is still available on PSN and maybe Xbox or... uh, Switch? I don't know. But it makes sense. Other devs have reported that Epic Game Store exclusivity, Epic was paying out projections that the developer would be make would make releasing the game on multiple digital stores. Epic will take those projections and just pay them to you up front. So, I don't know, $10 million, uh, kind of like a smaller action-adventure title. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, nothing else. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any, like, intelligent commentary on that. The ESA names a new SVP to replace the CEO's old position that was left unfilled. So when Stanley Pierre-Louise was promoted from SVP to president and CEO of the ESA, his old post was left left open. Gina Vitere comes in where she has a background in kind of like big law that focused on IP law. And uh, she's going to be the new SVP of whatever at the ESA. But her background's great because uh, the game industry is always on the forefront of IP law, especially like what is IP, how can you protect your games and game designs with IP law, because we all know you can protect characters, but you can't really protect game systems or game design. So it's pretty good to have these types of lawyers, especially on the ESA, which is kind of like the game industry's trade organization they oversee e3 and they also are responsible for the esrb ratings agency so pretty interesting finally nbc universal shuts down its publishing division so GamesBeat is reporting that around 50 staff members have lost their job as the two years two-year-old publishing arm of nbc universal will shut down this effectively came as NBC Universal is looking for a lower lower risk way to utilize its license for IP for games. And reading between the lines, you know, they effectively think that they could have a BD department license out IP to game companies rather than overseeing development in kind of like a publisher fashion or paying for that development themselves. Personally, I disagree. I mean, everyone can point to Disney Interactive and how do you screw up IP publishing and how it can go wrong. But you can also look at WB Games because they have hit mobile and console games on how like IP publishing can be done right. So, eh. All right. We have a lot of business news, so I'm going to try to rattle through it as fast as possible, but still give like some good insights when they're, you know, appropriate. Let's get off with acquisitions. So Unity acquires analytics firm Delta DNA. Delta DNA is kind of just a live ops analytics firm for gathering business intelligence on your own products. Like they'll handle, you know, you drop it in your games and they'll do a lot of the metrics and analytics that you can expect in live ops games as a service. Uni says Delta DNA will operate independently, but will integrate their tools into the game engine. Hard to say what this acquisition was for. Um, either Unity is going to go super hard into machine learning in the near future 
and data aggregation for developers, or this is kind of like another acquisition to strengthen their engine and cut out the need for third-party tools or plugins to sit on top of Unity. Hard to say, I'd go with the latter. Um, Unity's been making a lot of acquisitions over the years to kind of like, hey, people are using Unity plus X, Unity will go acquire X or something as good as X, integrate it into the engine. Now you don't leave the Unity ecosystem for you know, all your game development needs. All right, next up, Twitch acquires IGDB, the Internet Gaming Database. So inspired by IMDB, the Internet Movie Database, IGDB hoped to catalog games in the same vein that movies were categorized and, uh, you know, details, summaries, stories, characters, things like that. Twitch will integrate the four-year-old company into streams and services, hoping that this will aid in discoverability of some sort. Kind of a weird acquisition for me. I mean... I have no doubt that Amazon ran impact numbers on this acquisition and the extra information on things like a simple, you know, like mouse over a game name might improve the quality of life of the service. So instead of mousing over like Sea of Thieves and it just says Sea of Thieves, you can mouse over Sea of Thieves and it could use IGDB to get like release dates and publishers and other information. Eh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there is a strategic reason for this acquisition. I just don't see it as like barn burning or exciting so let's uh, let's go to new announcements so there's a trio of new game industry companies that were announced first off a seattle studio emerges starform with the focus on online games for your social graph starform officially announced today with a 1.3 million dollar seed round led by gaming mainstays play ventures and one-up ventures and also breakaway Go- growth fund all three of those you've probably heard me rattle off as lead investors and series a through whatever (laughs) on this podcast before their ceo wants to focus on building community and games for friends that seems to be what everyone says so i expect gotcha machines and slot machines i don't know um another studio was announced summerfell studios out of melbourne australia they will announce their illustrated character driven adventure game at pax on october 11th no clue what to expect from that description but we'll have to see and then that's capital v-e-n-n was announced as a 24 7 post cable network aimed at gaming esports and entertainment audiences so for me this was the most interesting announcement this week i guess it's kind of like the espn cnn cnbc for video games following kind of the wake of g4 then was founded by ben cousin and ariel horn who are both vets of the game industry broader i mean they build themselves as vivendi and riot vets but they both have much broader backgrounds than that and they hope to unify the likes of like twitch youtube and various esports leagues because you know to their credit all all the serving of kind of game video content is so fragmented these days they hope to unify it all into one place just like uh espn or whatever so during their interview with GameIndustry.biz, monetization was kind of the weakest section that I want to call out where the pair said they wanted to avoid 30 and 60 second ads in favor of a tier subscription but in my opinion, this day and age, it's hard to get people to pay for anything significant when Netflix is only $15 a month. Like, how the hell are you going to get people to pay for something as a subscription service when freaking Netflix is like $15 a month? Look at all the craps on Netflix. Like, ugh, it's just like the perception of how much a subscription costs versus the content you give. It's just like impossible to compete with all these giant aggregators these days. But... Then raised $17 million in their seed round with lead investors from Bitcraft and Esports Venture. 
Bitcraft Esports Venture and Eldridge Industries. I've never heard of either of those, but 17 million in seed is pretty freaking significant. This one I'll keep an eye on and update. I'm sure it'll take a while for them to get up and kind of support their goal of 50 hours a week of content. That's that's a lot. But like I said before, I think there's a huge massive hole for official news or source of truth for the game industry and esports as a whole because like espn is what espn is for sports you go to espn and they'll cover updates for broadcasts they don't own the rights to like um this weekend there was an sec football game between um notre dame and georgia i think cbs sports owns the right to a lot of like georgia big georgia games and so espn didn't actually cover the game but you could watch game highlights and they'd be at the bottom for that game. And so I think that's where we're kind of like missing this unifying third party who will say like, oh, this video from YouTube, this thing from Switch, this esports league, who kind of will cover all these things as a source of truth. So you start your day off going there for video game news rather than opening 20 browser tabs. I don't know. Think about it. It kind of makes sense to me. I, I see a need in the market. All right. Last up, you know what we haven't seen enough of on here? Esports platforms. So this week we have two fundraising rounds for my favorite thing ever, esports platforms. And I'm pretty cynical, but there's two things that I loathe covering is new esports platforms and VR, AR fundraising rounds. So let's kick it off. PlayVS, the high school esports platform, raises $50 million in Series C. So led by new enterprise associates, PlayVS's Series C's follows their kind of Series A in June and Series B in November for a total of hundred, nearly $100 million in fundraising. From what I can tell, no returning investor from the previous series have kind of like entered this Series C, which, you know, it can kind of read as a strategic decision by PlayVS. Maybe they want like a broad amount of investors, but it also could be a sign that like all the previous investors didn't think it was worth it to reinvest. PlayVS wants to become the high school esports commission, running in eight states last year with games League of Legends, Smite, and Rocket League. They hope to expand to all 50 states and run state championships for at least 15 of those. So effectively, you just think about like high school football or basketball, but for esports, the issue here is their success will be their undoing. Because it's not like high school athletic programs are run by third-party for-profit companies. So the more success PlayVS has, the more likely like high school commissions will just decide to run it themselves. So not very bullish on this. All right. And last up, SF-based XY Gaming raises $2.0 million in their seed round. So XY Gaming is an online tournament platform where players sign up for online tournaments. And XY Gaming takes care of like matchmaking, verifies the matches and who won, and pays out the prizes for winning tournaments, where prizes can actually include real money. The 2.5 million seed round was led by KB Ventures and Varga Capital, and will go towards expanding their games that they support, which currently they support League of Legends, Smite, StarCraft 2, and Dota 2, and they're hoping to expand to CSGO, Rocket League, World of Tanks, and Overwatch. Um... Yeah, I, they've been around for a while. I saw that they had a pre-seed round raised in May of 2015. But again, like I said above, I'm not bullish on these platforms at all because this one's even worse than the high school one. Either it skirts local laws about re rewarding real money for online gaming or they become successful enough that the publisher has to shut them down, shut down their support or outright build the features that are successful from their platform into their online games natively. So... It's another thing where, like, I'm I'm actually shocked that League of Legends 
and Blizzard let... I'm shocked that Riot and Blizzard let a lot of third-party esports platforms use their games. Um, yeah, you don't see this like uh, with more protective. Like a lot of Japanese companies are much more protective about their games being used in these platforms. So you sometimes see like you rarely see Super Smash Bros. Ultimate pop up on these. You sometimes see Street Fighter, but they're normally more selective. Um, but yeah, like Capcom would rather run their own Street Fighter League. Nintendo would rather be much more conservative and not encourage people to play games for money. So. I'm just shocked that like League of Legends always pops up on these like third party uh, third party esports platforms when you know they're kind of the kingpins are running esports for their own company. So I don't know, pretty interesting. That's it for this week in games. I'm Merritt McConnell. Come back next week. Uh, if you like what you hear, hit subscribe. If you don't like what you hear, hit subscribe anyways. <laughs> and uh, please leave a review. I'd love to get some feedback. So I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye.